Bringing you the top stories from Bonners Ferry to St. Mary's and everywhere in between, this is the North Idaho PrepCast with Ryan Skaggs. That's right. Welcome in. Another edition of the North Idaho PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. Breaking down uh, districts one and two each week in the state of Idaho. Brandon Bainey is always joined by our resident North Idaho expert, Ryan Skaggs. What's going on, Skaggs? How you doing? Not too much. Just uh, I'm doing well. Uh, surviving just like uh, you guys did last week with baseball. So, yeah, there was a, probably a little less sun up here than you guys had down south. So. Yeah, you know, the first day at state baseball, uh, because all of the baseball tournaments this year, 5A through 1A, were all in the Boise Valley. And of course, we brought every pitch to you live and free on IdahoSports.com. And Thursday was actually like kind of cold. It was like overcast and windy. And I was in a nice booth, but some of our broadcasters were actually out in the wind. And I think they're still chilled to the bone a little bit. It was kind of a cool day, but... Yeah, do you think that the weather had much to do with, uh, you know, on that first day with some of the results that we saw from teams, especially, you know, the the teams that had more offense and the ball was maybe a little more dead on that first day? Yeah, I don't know. I th- I think just in general in high school baseball, kind of like in the major leagues, the pitching is really far ahead of the hitting right now. I mean, m- most teams. I did the three A tournament, and as I'm researching all of these teams, I mean, they had twice as many or in some cases three times as many strikeouts as walks you know across the board and to me that's just the pitching's better than the hitting um and so yeah even when you do make contact it it can be hard sometimes um but in high school baseball at least what i've seen defense is the number one key uh i can't tell you how many games i saw where teams lost because of defense so Probably all makes those sense, un- right? unforced errors and stuff. And I mean, I was just thinking like Lewiston, for example. I mean, obviously they, they had a tough draw, but, um, you know, it wasn't this, in that first game. It wasn't necessarily a result that I was expecting to see from a team that we had seen pretty much be a buzzsaw up north for most of the year. Yeah, well, let's start there. You know, I, I was going to start at 1A because that's where we had the most success in terms of North Idaho. But let's 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 start with 5A baseball since you brought it up. Yeah, Lewiston came down to state. They were the four seed overall, according to the Max Preps rankings, which, to be honest, I was surprised they were seeded that high, not because they're not good, but because this Max Preps ranking system is sort of stacked against the teams from the north. It's really hard for north teams to break through and, and get that high seed unless they, like, are gaudy and you know are 22 and 0 like lake city was in basketball but um so lewiston goes down and loses to hawaii six to four in the first round well it turns out hawaii would go on to win the whole thing so looking back you know that wasn't too bad but lewiston had the lead and then gave it up and had an interesting journey to the consolation final where they played bora on saturday the game went 10 innings which is long for a high school game because it's seven innings regularly and Cruz Hepburn ends it with a walk-off home walk-off, run. Walk-off, walk-off bomb. That was uh, that was awesome. Yeah, it, w- it was hilarious. You know, I was talking uh, yesterday to Wayne DeZubak, who was broadcasting that tournament, and he said, "You know, we got to the to the bottom of the tenth, and before I could even say, well, here's Hepburn up to bat, he'd already swung at the first pitch, and the ball was already leaving <laughs> the yard before he could even say it was Hepburn that was up to bat. So, he yeah, he was quickly. ready for the." Yeah, he was ready for summer camp for football. So he was uh, trying to get things over with quickly and, and get out of there. So. Yeah, no doubt. So, But for Lewiston, it was nice for them to come home with a trophy. And yeah. um, I think a very impressive season overall for the Bengals. 
and a lot of that roster will be back too. There's there's a lot of youth on that roster, so they're they're not going to turn over a ton. I mean, it, it hurts obviously losing kids like Cruz, but um, there's there's some some dudes that are younger on that roster that'll be back, and I think Lewiston's going to be solid again next year. If we're going to kind of forecast 2023 baseball, but um, no, there's definitely a lot to be proud of for the Bengals on on the way they finish the year. Yeah, and you mentioned Cruz Hepburn moving on to summer ball. Now he's going to play, uh, I think it's linebacker for the Idaho Vandals, right? Is that what it was? Yep. Yeah. yeah, they're going to put him on the defensive side of the ball. And it's easy to forget because he is such an awesome football player, but he initially committed to play college baseball, right? He had an offer from, I think it was Washington State, right? Yeah, and I, and I know that he had uh, LCS. He was trying really hard, but obviously, you know, you know, with athlete of that level, um, but there was a few schools that were after Cruz for baseball and, and Idaho stepped in on the football side. And that's kind of where he, his heart was really leading him. So, you know, yeah. he's just a great athlete. He could play probably all three sports if he really wanted to, but um, no, certainly a great career for Cruz and a, and a good kid too. Definitely. And I just want to correct. I was looking up as you were talking there. He he committed to the Washington Huskies, UW for baseball, yeah, right. not Wazoo. Yeah. Big, big difference in Washington between those two schools. Uh, yeah. For sure. So Cougs are on their up. They're coming back a little bit. I mean, they're trying at least they got hot towards the end of the year, but they uh, they got blanked in the Pac-12 tournament. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's hard uh, to compete against those SoCal teams, you know, UCLA, USC, well, you know, Oregon, Arizona State. schools and Oregon you got to compete yeah. against the Beavers, man. Come yeah. on. Yeah, the, the Beavers. It's solid. So well, I'm yeah. wearing I'm wearing my UCLA shirt today. So I got to talk about Coach Savage in that UCLA Bruins baseball program. They're pretty <laughs> they're pretty good at getting guys to the big leagues, but they're not so great at getting out of the first or second round of the NCAA tournament <laughs> in baseball. So yeah. But anyways, oh, uh, well, we can. Yeah, there's there's plenty of plenty of that talk to go around. I think this summer too that there's going to be a lot of uh, with the NIL stuff and the transfer portal and everything else. There's going to be some Idaho kids to keep tabs on that are moving around a little bit too. Definitely. Yeah. We'll, we'll try to keep up with that as best as we can here in the off season. Um, all right. So let's get back to baseball. We talked about five, a, but let's, let's jump down to one, a, cause that's where we saw the most success in terms of teams from the North. And I kind of had a feeling this was going to happen coming in. You know, we did our state baseball preview show and everybody was talking about, well, North Star Charter is awesome. They, well, guess what? They were awesome last year too. And they still lost in the championship. I said, until somebody proves to me that a team from district three can win state. I said, it's the white pine leagues to lose. And I said, if North Star isn't careful, they might lose in the opening round. And no, I didn't think anybody else from district three was going to win. So the fact that the White Pine swept the first round 4-0 and all four teams were in the semis, like that didn't that didn't shock me too much. Yeah. And that's just a lot to say about the quality of ball up here, but I think it has a lot to do with, you know, the 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 Legion programs and the traveling teams and everything else. So that a lot of these smaller communities, I mean, they really embrace baseball. And that's the thing about like North Idaho. You look, I think a lot of it has to be said about the historical success of like programs like Lewis Clark state. Um, and it just kind of, it, it finds its way back into the communities and you find some of these smaller town kids going and playing for the warriors or they're going and playing, you know, treasure Valley and some other schools that, that offer ball. So there's some, some decent kids at these smaller schools, but you know, the white pine is just absolutely dominant when it comes to two things, baseball and basketball. No doubt. And congratulations yeah. to the Troy Trojans, First baseball title in school history. They won four to two over the defending champs from Genesee. That, that was a hard fought game and really a hard fought tournament. But um, 
with uh, their pitching, I mean, Troy looked really good at the 1A state tournament. So, yeah. yeah. And that was a lot to say said about Troy down the stretch. I mean, we mentioned it a few times on the prep cast, like keep an eye on these guys. They're, they were kind of like hanging out in second place for a while. And you're like, you know, is this team for real or not? Have they really been challenged? And then down the stretch, they were just lights out and uh, obviously having a, a great tournament too. And congrats to Troy. Cause that was, that was a, you know, to, to not only win your league title, I think says a lot, but then you go into the state tournament and um, to get into state with, with the league teams that you have, and to win the state championship that way, you know, there's there's no no easy days for sure. Definitely. And Prairie defeated Clearwater Valley 4 nothing in the third place game. So the Pirates bring home third. Things kind of normalized a little bit where at districts, Genesee and Troy were the one and two seeds, but they both lost. Um, mm-hmm. And it was Clearwater Valley and Prairie, the six and the five seed, getting the top two seeds from the district at state. But that kind of reversed back to where okay genesee and troy were the two best teams and they were playing for the championship and i think we mentioned on that prep cast too before districts you're saying like hey watch out for these teams like the five and six seeds like it's anybody's battle and sure enough that was like i don't know if we hit if one of us hit exactly on who made it i kind of i think i picked uh camii and prairie instead and and instead of clearwater valley but um yeah no great seasons by all those teams in that league i mean there's a lot to be said about that conference for sure yeah, it, it was a lot of fun to watch the White Pine uh, clean up again at the 1A state tournament. Uh, at the 2A state tournament, the three-team CIL, Central Idaho, they got two teams to state, Ryan, because Orofino won the district title. St. Mary's, who came in as the third-seeded districts, knocked out Grangeville. We kind of talked about this a couple weeks ago, but then they had to play New Plymouth in a state play-in game, and they won that game to get to state as well. And so you figure going in, Orofino and St. Mary's both go two and out, and you're like, well, okay, St. Mary's, sure. They're, they're kind of a plucky Cinderella team. They were probably in over there. No, St. Mary's performed better at state than Orofino did. Orofino went two and out you know, in two fairly one-sided games. St. Mary's had two nail-biters that, Right. Well, if you don't remember the league schedule, too, I mean, yeah, Orfino won the district tournament. I believe St. Mary's had the upper hand all season on Orfino. So, you know, St. Mary's was no slouch. They just played a tough schedule. They played a lot of the, the bigger schools. The th- they played a 3A heavy schedule um, in North Idaho. I mean, they had Bonners Ferry and Timberlake a few times and, you know, Kellogg as well and throwing, you know, smattering of like Lakeland and some other teams, too. So, you know, they were battle tested going into that game. It doesn't surprise me they performed well, but just kind of a weird result that they both went to and out. I expected at least one of them to maybe play in the consolation title game. Um, but to see them go zero and two was kind of dis- a disappointing result for sure. Yeah. St. Mary's loses to Malad in the first round three to two. So one run game that could have gone either way. And then uh, in the loser out game, it went extra innings against the river cats from chalice Mackey. And they lost that game nine to six in nine innings, which is, you know, the, we, they, I think they finally kind of just ran out of pitching at the end of that yeah. second game, but um, nicely done for both of those teams. Great seasons for Orofino and St. Mary's Bonners Ferry represented the North uh, from district three at state. Uh, first, I want to talk about Kellogg though, knocking out Timberlake um, at district. So, so Ryan, the last time you and I were together on the prep cast two weeks ago, I said, you know what? Call it a gut feeling, but I like Bonners Ferry to beat Timberlake in that district championship. And you raked me over the coals. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> Look what yeah, happened. Short of short of uh, asking for you to be uh, committed to a to an institution on that one, but yeah. Um, and look at me, I was I was the one wrong. I don't know what happened, but man, things went off the rails uh, for the Tigers. And 
uh, congrats to, to Bonners Ferry on getting that district title. And, uh, man, they had a, a bit of a run, though, at state, you know. I mean, going two and out, which kind of stunk, but they had that heartbreaker to Snake River on Friday. Um, you, you obviously got to do that tournament, though. And, um, you know, there was still some bright spots for the Badgers, I, I would, you know, say, you know, for what they showed. But um, still, you know, to not come away with some hardware, I think, is a little bit of a, a disappointment for them. Definitely. And and the league as a whole, I think, was pretty solid this year. As we talked about Timberlake, the number one seed, not only lost to Bonners Ferry in the district title game, but then Kellogg knocked them out as well. And Kellogg got to go to the play-in game against Homedale, where that was the pitcher's duel throughout. It was one-to-one through seven innings of regulation baseball. It was a one-to-one game into the ninth inning. And then um, Luna was pitching for Kellogg, and he's a stud, but he ran out of pitches on the pitch count. And once Kellogg had to bring in a reliever, then Homedale kind of uh, blew it open. So, But Kellogg had a nice season as well. But, yes, for Bonners Ferry, uh, right away they have to play Marsh Valley, the eventual 3A champs. Uh, they lose that game 13 to nothing, which, you know, d- didn't surprise anybody. Marsh Valley beat everybody by the 10-run rule. But that loser-out game against Snake River, they led one nothing for a large majority of that game. It got down to the bottom of the seventh. Snake River was down to their final out, and they had a runner at first base. And this the the number seven hitter, this kid named Cooper Keller, came up and hit an RBI triple to tie the game, send it to extra innings. We go to the bottom of the eighth inning. Snake River's got a runner at second uh, with one out. There's a high pop up into center field, and I feel so bad for for Nick Eastman. He he comes on to make the grab, and he looks up. And it's one of those deals where you lose it in the sun and you think you're in the right place and the ball lands like five feet away from him. And so uh, with that, the kid from Snake comes around to score the game-winning run and, and Bonner's Ferry loses two to one in eight innings in a game in which they out hit Snake River 10 to five, but they left double-digit runners on base. They left a lot of guys on base. And so that ultimately is what hurt Bonner's Ferry in that loser out game. But after the game, I got to talk a little bit with the parents of the Bateman boys, uh, Trey and Bo. Bo is a senior. Trey is just a uh, junior or a sophomore, and they have a younger cousin, Thomas Bateman, that's on the team as well. And so I got to talk to to their dad a little bit after the game, and we had a nice chat. And he said, thanks for picking us to beat Timberlake. And he said, I don't think I like that Skaggs guy too much anymore. Oh man! Oh, he was man. kidding, of course. But of course, yeah. It's like, oh, fine. I won't pick your kid anymore to make all league. All right. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny. Petty. I'm kidding. I won't be petty. That's pretty funny, though. Yeah. So, so they, you know, all things considered, uh, Bonner's Ferry was in pretty good spirits um, after that heart wrenching game, and um, I, I think they're going to be really good. Uh, talking to their coach Tom Turpin before state, he said we have a lot of juniors. He said, we only have three seniors. He said, but we've got like 10 or 11 juniors. So, you know, I would say keep an eye out for Bonners Ferry again next year as well. And in, in what will be a two team league. And so uh, the Batemans were asking me, you know, Hey, how does that affect us next year? Do you think having two teams? And I said, well, I said, if you win your district, you'll probably have to win a play in game as well. That's probably how that's going to go. So, yeah, but they could do it that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think. And you know, where is that bid going to move to, you know, what district is going to get that extra spot and you know, it really does throw a wrench in things statewide at the three, a level losing. Cause I want to say that there's also a few other schools in Southern Idaho that are moving down too. So it's really, you know, we could go back into the classification talk again, but 
uh, a pretty dang good case for uh, for changing the classifications. Just saying, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Three three A is withering away. Um, it needs to be absolved. Year. It needs to be absorbed by the top half needs to go to four A and the bottom half needs to go to two A. But yeah, that's just me. Yeah. Anyways, um, but yeah. Anyways, the Sandpoint Baseball huge bright spot. The the Bulldogs. Yeah. In my mind, I think we're kind of a. I don't want to say the Cinderella team, but they were the ones I don't think really people looked at finishing the way that they did. And they came in the tournament and just absolutely boat raced pokey in the uh, consolation title game. And sorry, I dropped my pen. Um, <laughs> you know, obviously they, they had to draw Bishop Kelly. That's a, a tough draw for the Bulldogs to walk into the act game, but um, you know, made a nice run and ended up with a trophy and Jack Zimmerman had a great tournament for the Bulldogs. And um, so hats off to that crew for getting the consolation title. I think that's a big, big bright spot uh, for Sandpoint to finish with some hardware. And this is what I was talking about. The max preps ranking Sandpoint went in as the seven seed. There, there was no way that Sandpoint was the seven seed in that tournament. I would have put no. them at, at fifth personally, Yeah, but they've got, and they've got two, but it's like, yeah, they're playing Coeur d'Alene and Lake city and they're playing Lewiston and, post falls i mean you look at the schedule and it's like man they're just of course like they're gonna have some lumps on their schedule like they're playing a 5a team heavy schedule with some good 5a schools you know it's you know they held their own and they, they finished with hard i think sandpoint was kind of an you know the seating didn't do them do them justice by any means yeah and it, it probably will continue to be that way uh unfortunately moving forward as well so let's yeah. Let's move on to softball where we uh, had a champion just just like in in 1A baseball the White Pine League always seems to do well at state um Potlatch after falling just short last year comes through and delivers on the 1A title and it was an all WPL final they beat Genesee in the championship game in kind of a close game 8 to 6 but there was a lot of hiccups at this tournament there were lightning delays and rain delays and all this other crazy action um kendrick was there as well they went to and out but uh potlatch softball coming through and winning and and they were one of the favorites last year at the 1a state softball tournament and didn't uh deliver on the championship so it was nice to see them bounce back and win here in 2022 well especially a team that only got to start the year i think in the first month of play they only played two games just because of snow so you know to go down the stretch and play as much ball as they did and end up with a state championship hats off to the loggers and uh, a great season ended up with that one a state championship and uh, a great group of kids and you know a, a solid finish for what looked like kind of a weird start to the year and a lot of question marks with weather that we've had this year and if they could even get a lot of their schedule in uh, to end up with the titles was pretty rewarding that's awesome definitely and so coach dean butterfield uh is the coach his daughter uh rebecca butterfield is a pitcher they've got other great players josie larson emma chambers etc etc so it was nice to see potlatch uh come through with the win um the next biggest story i think is from the 2a state tournament where st mary's we we knew coming in there was a big three in 2a softball it was malad the defending champs west jefferson and st mary's and it was just a matter of you know who was going to beat who and and st mary's gets to that undefeated semifinal. It's St. Mary's, it's Malad, which was an opening round matchup at state last year, by the way. So yeah. score one for the max preps bracketing <laughs> that we didn't have that right away. Um, and Malad wins that game one, nothing. And I'm thinking, as I see this, I'm like, well, you know, this bodes well that St. Mary's, you know, only lost one to nothing. They can come back through and maybe get some momentum by playing more games 
on the consolation side of the bracket and, and have a shot, but they never got there. They lost to West Jefferson again by a run six to five in the third place game. And, and I, I never heard if that game had started and then the tournament got moved or if the tournament <laughs> got moved right before that game started. But when it was down to the final three, basically they said the rain in Orofino is coming. Let's move it to Airport Park in Lewiston and conclude the tournament there. And that, that sounds probably... like a sounds like yeah, that sounds like a podcast episode. When in doubt, move it to Lewiston, right? Um... <laughs> <laughs> we did have that topic earlier this spring. We sure did. Uh, but yeah, I mean Lewiston comes in clutch though again with the with the field conditions and having the amount of fields that they do. But um, yeah, that was just a, a weird kind of finish. It wasn't so, it wasn't something. I mean, we knew that. The, the field was stacked, at least for the top, like you said, the top three teams. I thought, I really did think St. Mary's had the chance, though, um, to to get to the title game. I really, really did think that with with uh, Tacey pitching and, and the way that they've been able to hit the ball, I thought they had a huge chance. But, man, to go, you know, lose 1-0 is tough. And then you go down and lose to West J again 6-5 and have a little bit of, um, you know, adversity to overcome. Um, you know, a tough spot for the Lumberjacks, but a, a, de- a great season by by no means. Like, should they be disappointed? But um, yeah, just not really. I don't think what they expected. I really think that they had huge title aspirations. Yeah, b- big shout out though to Coach Todd Bitterman and that that St. Mary's uh, softball team. They what a fun team it was to watch all year yeah. long. They yeah, they were. So I mean, Tacey Watkins is is unbelievable, and you know she showed it again. I mean, to hold Malad to a run is is awesome i mean that's there's a lot to be said about that so yeah um yeah no that's a great season by his his crew for sure uh let's go to the 4a uh state softball tournament where lakeland kind of like sandpoint and baseball comes in as the number eight seed overall and again i don't think lakeland was the eighth best team there that's just where they were seated they lost to bishop kelly in the first round hey spoiler alert so did everybody else. Bishop Kelly won the title, like convincingly <laughs> yeah. running away with it. But then how about Lakeland winning two in a row to get to the fourth place game against Valley View? And they pushed and Valley View was the team that ended up playing for the championship against BK. And they only lost that game three to two. So Lakeland had a shot at, at a top three finish. I mean, they were a run away from it. So I was pretty yeah. impressed with the Hawks. Yeah, the Hawks had had a, had a great run and, and coming out of the the district tournament the way they did and ended up getting the the league championship the way that they did. I mean, there was just a little bit of, uh, you know, sometimes it's better lucky than good. Uh, I don't say they were lucky because they're a good team. Don't get me wrong. Um, but, you know, it's like where preparation and, and opportunity meet is where luck shows up. And that was basically what happened. I mean, yeah, they get boat raced by BK, but then they get to come out and go guns blazing and get to that that hardware game was, you know, a great showing for for Lakeland to get there. Definitely. Uh, Coeur d'Alene represented the North at the 5A tournament. Uh, it, kind of a weird, they, they beat Thunder. They were the two seed and they beat Thunder Ridge five to four in the first round. Um, but from there, they lost in the semifinals. And then they, you know, I don't know if they were still reeling from that or what happened, but they turned around and lost the next game as well. So they won their opener, then went two and out. Yeah, you don't see that very often either from a, no. you know, a team of that quality. Um, you know, it's kind of like, well, we're just going to take our ball and go home, but you know, to, to go to and out and bow out the way they did was, is certainly disappointing for the Vikings, but, um, you know, it's obviously not the way they want to end things, but a great season, you know, for the lady Vikes and what they were able to do in in their league schedule. But 
yeah, not a disappointing finish for the North. I think on on the, on the softball side, uh, with the exception of Paul Lodge, for sure. Yeah. And I just wonder if it was, you know, it, it is hard to win for Coeur d'Alene with the game they lost out on. It was their third game of the day, their third game in, you know, a six hour span. That, that, that's yeah. hard to do in softball. And, and they, I think they put so much into their, their, so they beat Thunder Ridge five to four, which was a tough, hard fought win. They put probably everything they had into that. Then the next game, they only lose to Timberline two nothing. And so again, they yeah. probably poured everything they had into that game. And I think they, they got to that loser out and they played Eagle and they lost 17 to nothing. I think they just were spent. I think they yeah. had nothing left, you know. Especially if you're, you know, you're playing a 2-0 game that, you know, you it's almost like you're trying too hard. And uh, you know, when you try when you push yourself a little bit too much and you put a little bit too much pressure, uh, you know, and you fall still fall short, you know, it says a lot when you get to that. You have to go play again. It's like, oh, turn around and play again. And it's like you know, you're just deflated. It's almost like you don't want to be there. You want a chance to recoup. And instead you got to step right back in the box and go at it again. And, um, that's a, that's a tough go. That's, that's not easy on anybody. And, you know, I, you know, hats off to the team for having the season they did, but yeah, that's, uh, having to play three games in a day is just brutal. Definitely. Um, and then, uh, 3A state tournament, Timberlake was there. They went one and two, um, and then Kellogg went two and out. So it was kind of a tough tournament, uh, really dominated by districts four and three that uh, ended up being the final four, everybody from those two districts. So, yeah. And I'll say another thing about the Coeur d'Alene one too, is that it's gotta be tough having that happen at home. You know, yeah. they host, they hosted the state tournament and to have that go that way. I mean, there's gotta be some inherent disappointment too, with being the host team um, that, makes a little bit more sense too because that you know it does get some extra deflation on that one just because of things being a little bit tougher stacked against you and it's like well we're at home this should be going our way but it doesn't always work that way obviously not every season has a storybook ending unfortunately nope. so it's the way it goes all right uh track and field ryan we had just uh some some sprinklings of individual champions i think i'm gonna list them all off and then you kind of pick you know the one or two that yeah. really stand out to you so all right, 5A track and field championships on the girls' side. Samantha Wood of Post Falls wins the 1600 and the 3200 meter run. Didn't surprise anybody. Uh, Lily Fennessy of Coeur d'Alene won the discus with the throw of 136 feet, 8 inches. Uh, at the 4A state track meet on the girls' side, Kenna Simon of Lakeland wins the high jump, clearing 5 foot 2. Um, she didn't even know she won, by the way. <laughs> she, uh, she didn't? No. Well, because, because her and another girl had both cleared 5 2. And what happens in yeah. the high jump is. It comes down to okay. Well, did you did you scratch on any of your prior attempts? And I think she won by virtue of not scratching as much as the yep. other girl, right? Yeah. What yeah, a wild she was story, standing, though. Yeah, she was standing there and she didn't even know she had won. And her coach is standing by the fence because the coaches aren't allowed on the track to coach at state. And so she's walking away from her attempt, and the guy goes, "Okay, good job." <laughs> And she's like confused and she looks over at a coach and one of her teammates and they're celebrating and she had no idea that she had won the state championship. That's awesome. <laughs> what a cool story. Um, yeah. High jump can be confusing sometimes if you, yeah, if you aren't clean all the way. So Kenna, yeah. coach, Kenna... coach Munier was the one that broke the news to her that she actually won. <laughs> so. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, so yeah, Kenneth Simon of Lakeland wins the four a high jump clearing five foot two. Uh, class 3A girls, Bonners Ferry did well. Um, uh, Asha Abu Bakari uh, from Bonners Ferry uh, swept the throws, won the shot and the discus. And Morgan Burt ends up winning the pole vault by clearing 10 feet even. 
Class 2A girls, uh, Lindy Kessinger of Orofino wins the discus. And on the 2A boys' side, uh, like uh, Abubakari of, of Bonner's Ferry, uh, we had a sweep as Reed Thomas of Orofino uh, won the shot put in discus on the 2A boys' side. And then at the 1A girls' meet, uh, Clara Anderson of Logos won the two-mile, 3,200-meter run, and Alexis Herrera of Lapway won the discus. So what stands out to you? Uh, Reed Thomas. It's is one that stands out to me. And I looked at that, that toss. I'm like, man, 57, four and three quarters, a solid shot. That's a, that's a solid toss. And I go, that would do well at most classifications. Yeah. He would have won any classification. That's the best toss in the state of Idaho this year. Uh, and it happened at the state state meet. So congrats to Reed on that shot, put toss, that was a, a, a heck of a job by him to, to sweep the throws. Um, is a great job and, and a, a feat in itself. Uh, Samantha Wood, we knew was it was solid, and she came into the 800 um, and obviously had some t- stiff competition there. Uh, there's one that's kind of left off there, and it was like that Lake City girls four by one team won the state championship last year in the four by one. They got runner up this year in the four by one, but their time was a half second faster than their state championship time of last year, and they still finished second. Um, so that heat was just blazing fast uh, in that relay. And so obviously finishing runner-up, but uh, t- I believe Timberline was the, the team that took it um, for on the girls' side. Um, but uh, just a great job across the board. You know, Kenna Simon's story is great. I, I think that was awesome to hear that one. But uh, Samantha Wood, to cap off her career with, at Post Falls, um, hats off to her as well because that was a, a solid finish in the distance runs yeah what what a weekend it was of track and field it, it was a weekend that i don't know that we'll ever see again the the record book was obliterated like take it a was mach- crazy take yeah. a machete to it i mean records were falling left and right and if you want a, a full recap of everything that happened and all the records that were broken marlo herford wrote a great recap of that state track and field meet it's on the homepage at idahosports.com you should definitely check it out because there were a lot of high caliber high octane athletes competing like i said i don't know that we'll ever see a weekend like it an historic weekend like this ever again there was a lot of performances that were clutch too that were kind of unseen you saw the favorites go through prelims you know and they were obliterating prs in the prelims and they go in the finals and they're not even finishing in the top two or three and it's you know and you see some of these other kids that step up and they get their opportunity and they take it and pun intended run with it um but you know it's I mean, I look at some of the examples like in the 1A where Cadence Beck had been dominating all year and, you know, she doesn't even bring home a state championship against a runner up, I believe, in three events. Um, But, you know, so there's there's a few disappointments out there, but also, you know, a lot to be proud of. But, um, yeah, a lot of those times that were that were the the records that were broken too happened in in some of the prelims and some of them even in the finals, too. There was a lot, a lot to be said about that state meet this year. Yeah, these aren't North Idaho athletes, but these are cool nuggets to know. Two two uh, stats that basically sum up how wild the weekend was. A girl from Emmett set the new state record for pole vault. An hour later, it was broken by a girl from Centennial competing at the 5A meet. <laughs> so you had <laughs> you had the state pole vault record on the girls' side get broken twice by two different athletes, two different levels in the span of like an hour. And at the 4A boys uh, track and field meet, the winner of the 400 was a kid from Twin Falls, and he set the new state record. It was like 47-something. Like, I don't know. It was like 47-8, and then it got broken by a kid that ran a 47-5. So so (laughs) 
the kid the kid from Twin set the new record, but guess what? The kids that finished second and third, they also broke the record for the 400. Yeah. So the top three finishers in the 400 all had a better time than what the previous 4A record was coming in. How nuts is that? It's crazy. Yeah, and then the the best time in the state was a 47.5, and yeah, it was just unbelievable. Some of the some of the, the times that we saw that we were getting turned in. Uh, especially in a lot of the sprints or like the, the one, two and 400 were just crazy. Some of those, those times that we saw. Yeah, it, it was nuts. It was a wild weekend of track and field. And again, uh, if you want to recap of that, we also have a state tennis recap as well uh, on our homepage at idahosports.com. Uh, the teams from the North in tennis, it's really hard to make traction. Boise just dominates the tennis scene because the weather is so nice and there's kids that play tennis year round down there in Boise. a lot more clubs yeah there's clubs yeah. to play in and yeah it's so. you know you're playing summer rec leagues up here um but i mean there's you know to go and compete you know i know that there was a, a couple of kids from sandpoint a couple of kids from coeur and i believe we had a, a kid that made it the finals from uh coeur charter as well um who lost to um in the finals to a kid from i believe it was melba um but yeah, there's there's some some decent kids that had some finishes up here that that played very well. Yeah, and Dylan Gomez from Lewiston had a runner up in uh, singles yeah. as well. So yeah. big shout out to him. And then uh, golf, just wrap it up real quick. We didn't have any champions from golf, but uh, Bonner's Ferry girls. I'm telling you, keep an eye out. Um, Braylon Bayer ended up taking. I'm trying to remember now. It was second or third. I think it was second. She took second behind the girl from Homedale. I think she's the favorite uh, individual medalist next year and i think the bonners ferry girls are going to be really good in golf next year keep an eye on genesis prep on the boys side yeah. I, I really do think that team they they played really well down at state i mean i believe they had a top four finish um but they've got most of their kids back and they got some youngsters that are coming up through that are going to be awesome so yeah there's a lot there's a lot to be proud of and looking forward to up here Definitely. All right, Ryan. Well, that was our kind of spring sports recap. They shoehorn it all into one weekend. So we have to <laughs> shoehorn it all into one podcast, but uh, we, we navigated that pretty well. That was pretty good. Yeah. So next on the docket, obviously is our summer, you know, podcast. And then we got next play by play is football. I mean, we're like four months out. <laughs> Dude, so uh, over the summer, we'll give you a little behind the scenes here at IdahoSports.com. Over the summer, uh, we start putting in all of the fall sports schedules, you know, volleyball, football, soccer. Um, but this is the week where I email every athletic director in the state because this is like for a lot of people, the last week of school. I'm like, hey, before you duck out for a month this summer, can you send me your schedules? So at least I have them. And I'm starting to get them, in, and I'm, dude, I'm already like salivating at all of these like football matchups and like making them in my head. Sandpoint, Cordelaine and Sandpoint have some. There's, oh, dude, yeah, it's gonna be awesome. <laughs> there's some, there's some good games for sure. So, <laughs> so here's what we're gonna do on on the uh, North Idaho Prepcast. We're gonna take next week off, kind of an end of the year recharge, refresh, reset. Uh, because we've been doing, you know, we've done 40 plus episodes of this, Ryan, over the course of the school year, which is crazy to think about. Um, so we're going to take a week off and we're going to come back with our summer series where we're going to you know, do some interviews with different athletes and different coaches uh, from up north. So you get to know these athletes, these players a little bit better, these coaches a little bit better, get to know them as people. You know, we, we know them as athletes we, and, we, and coaches. We know what kind of accomplishments they have. But but, you know, what are, what are they like away from the arena? What are they like outside the, the sports world? Um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And, and a lot of these athletes are going to be you know, juniors that are getting ready for their senior year. So you'll be able to know, 
you know, for example, oh, this kid is expected to be the quarterback for his team next fall. And we got to hear him talk over the offseason. I think it's going to be a really fun series. So, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. Maybe we can bring on uh, Mr. Bateman and he can read me the riot act. Too. <laughs> <laughs> One last note on that. Coach Turpin uh, from Bonner's Ferry. He goes, every every time I play somebody up north, the first thing they ask me, it's not, hey, how you doing? How's your season? It goes, how many Batemans you got left? <laughs> because it's, <laughs> it's such a prominent name up there. And Coach Turpin goes, I got bad news for you. I got about a dozen still to go. So, you know. <laughs> it's like uh, Lapway with having all the year outs coming through. It's like, oh, you got oh. rid of Titus. Congratulations. Now you get, you know, seven more. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't believe so. it when he told me that. I was like, you have seven siblings? He goes, yeah, I'm the oldest. I was like. Okay, here we go. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, run it wild. back. Yeah, run it back. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, we're so uh, stay tuned for that. We're gonna try to have one every week here, uh, throughout the summer, a uh, little summer interview series, uh, because you know, just because there's no sports going on, we're not going away. You know, we're not taking the summer off, we're gonna be here giving you good content, uh, each and every week. So, uh, Ryan, as always, thanks for all of your hard work. We appreciate it. Happy to be happy to join you. Yep. All right. We'll see you next time on the North Idaho PrepCast on IdahoSports.com.